Strategic Living with Brian Holmes, episode number 40, The Seven Mountains and How You Can Thrive in Your Place of Assignment. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. My name is Brian Holmes, and you have found the Strategic Living Podcast, where we are all about transforming minds, developing leaders, activating destinies, awakening dreams. Hey, we want to see you healed in every way, your mind renewed and transformed. We want to see you discover all that God has created you to be. Going to be a great program today. We're talking about the seven mountains. I'm looking forward to a great time with you. In fact, we're going to be talking about our anniversary trip and a number of things. So just prepare your heart and mind and let's get started, everybody. Well, it's super to have you on the program today. I am rested. I am refreshed. I am renewed. And uh, just to give you a quick preview of what's going to happen on the program today, I'm going to give you a brief report on mine and my wife's 25th wedding anniversary trip we just took last week, and we hope to share some of the uh, photographs with you in the show notes. And then I'm going to be talking to you about the seven mountains. You've heard me refer to this here and there. Uh, occasionally, when we've had guests on the program, we've referred to the seven mountains or the seven spheres of cultural influence. And today I'm going to talk to you about uh, what those are, why it's important that we understand that metaphor and that idea, and maybe more specifically, how it is so critically important that you and I engage in our assignment so that we can infiltrate and actually uh, go into our places of influence and administer the kingdom of God, administer His will, His plan, Heaven's plan in these seven spheres it's going to be a great, great program, and I hope that you're ready to just enjoy that with us. But before we do that, I have a very special treat. Oh, yeah, baby. That's a little husband-wife 25-year music right there. <laughs> wow. I wanted to give you a quick, brief little review of our trip. As you know, uh, my wife and I just celebrated last week our 25th wedding anniversary, 25 years. It seems, gosh, impossible really, but it has happened. So there you go. We had the great privilege of getting away last week and we spent seven wonderful nights and six great days in Lake Tahoe, Nevada. We stayed at the very lovely Hyatt Sierra Mountain Lodge. Just a great property, great staff, great folks there. Uh, just laid back, real easy to, to kind of hang and do your thing without any interruptions. Uh, the property there is just right near the shores of Lake Tahoe. In fact, a, a few days before we arrived, they had uh, had a lot of snow. So as we were driving from Reno, Nevada, where we flew in, up through Rose Mountain Pass, uh, to Incline Village, the little town where we stayed. The snow was on the ground, man. The snow was everywhere, piled up on the side of the road. It was just beautiful. The views were amazing. And uh, as we came to the peak of Mount Rose there, we 
uh, kind of turned a particular corner and caught our first view of the lake and of the mountains. My, oh my, just, I, I was in awe. One of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. We went hiking, we went on a boat cruise around the lake, took all kinds of pictures of Emerald Bay, drove up to Truckee, California, neat little train town. Uh, just had a great time reflecting on the past 25 years and probably most importantly looking to our future together and what God has for us to do. It's a great trip and uh, certainly, certainly thought about you while we were there. So it's a great time to be a part of what God is doing in the earth and I'm certainly happy to have my wife at my side doing what we've been given to do. Well, uh, just let's just dive right in today to our scriptural principle. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Now, this is going to sound a little different than some of the verses I normally read here as a backdrop, but let me just give you a little bit of an idea of where we're coming from on this seven mountain thing from the scripture. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 says, The word which Isaiah the son of Amoz saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now, it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, plural. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief among multiple mountains. And it will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many, many peoples will come and say, come, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then, of course, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, its systems, that's cosmokratopos, systems, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. One more time. In that day, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised up above the hills, and all of the nations will stream to it. They're going to say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Let us go up to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. I absolutely Love this passage. Well, the seven mountains. The seven mountains. 1975, Bill Bright, who, if you're not familiar with that name, he was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, and also a man by the name of Lauren Cunningham, great leader, founder of Youth with a Mission, YWAM, as it's commonly known today. These two gentlemen were in the same city in Colorado. They had lunch together and began to discuss that each of them had been given a a message for the other. And in fact, the story goes that they had each had a, a kind of vision or a dream 
regarding these mountains. And uh, during that same time frame, Francis Schaeffer, another great leader in the body of Christ, was given a very similar vision or similar message. And that message was that if we are to impact any nation, that's any nation for Christ, if we're going to establish the kingdom of God in the earth, then there are seven spheres or seven mountains, if you will, seven pillars that must be our target. They must be our our focus, our objective. These seven spheres of influence must be administered by believers, sons of God, children of God. And so very important to know here uh, that in the day and time in which we live, there are so many ideas out there as to what the church's purpose is. There are so many ideas as to what the the purpose of salvation even is. In fact, uh, you know, the, the common idea in Christianity is that the purpose of salvation is to save one from hell and give you a, a pass into heaven. And And I don't discredit the idea that we are saved by grace through faith and that God has, in fact, adopted us, received us to himself, and that because of that, we are not in judgment uh, to a damnable place called hell or eternal judgment. In fact, we're going to spend all of our days, as it were, with him in a dimension that is so unfamiliar and unknown to us that our words could never even describe the majesty and the power of that place. However, I would contend that the purpose of Jesus having come to the earth was to redeem mankind back to God and back to God's original intent for mankind. And we've talked about this on the podcast on numerous occasions, that God's original intent was for man to rule, to reign, to actually govern to administer, to represent the kingdom, which is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus talked about, in the earth and realm. It was literally to bring heaven's agenda into the earth and realm. Now, if you think about that for just a moment, you'll understand that that flies in the face of common theology, which is that we're, we're here biding our time, hoping that someday we can get to heaven. When in fact, God is, has us here in the earth, redeemed to him, saved, sanctified, filled with the Spirit, engaged with Christ, actually living in Christ and Christ living in us for the purpose of us accessing what is in the heavenly dimension and bringing it into the earth. I want you to think about the disciples and their relationship with God for years, several years They had followed him. They had observed his ministry. They had observed how he handled confrontation. They had observed when he was challenged by the Pharisees, by the Sadducees, by the religious sect of that day, how he had always responded in the word. He had always responded with wisdom, the gift of wisdom, the grace of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom. They had watched as he had opened blind eyes. He had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. He had confronted demons, and demons literally responded to his breath. They had observed carefully and often that even nature itself, the elements were uh, subject to his word, to his bidding. And these guys were not the sharpest tools in the tool chest, but they, they were pretty observant, and they weren't dumb. And 
they deduced there is some formula here. There's something happening here that we need to know about. So in trying to assess, this is my interpretation of how this all kind of came about, but in trying to assess what is the key to this man having this kind of power, this kind of influence, this kind of of authority in the earth, because they'd never seen a man have authority on this level. So they began to watch him, and the Bible tells us that he would wake up every single day, and before daylight, he would go away into a place by himself, alone, and he would pray, and he would engage with his heavenly Father. And he would spend time in prayer, as we would call it. And then they, of course, heard him say on numerous occasions, I, I'm, I must be about my father's business. I want to engage in what my father has sent me here to do. Uh, he said at one point, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear him saying. So there was some deduction taking place here that, hey, there's an agenda that is not of the earth but this man is administering it in the earth. And so from these observations, one day the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to engage with heaven the way you do. We've noticed there's something happening in you and through you that seems to be a result of your relationship with the other dimension. And can you teach us how that whole thing works? Well, you know, Jesus' response, we call it the Lord's Prayer. I, I would say to you that the Lord's Prayer, as it's often called, has, is not a prayer to be recited. It is literally a principled outline as to how to engage heaven and what to do with what we've been given. He said, when you pray, say. That word say there is to declare. When you pray, you declare this, our Father. So right up front, there's an acknowledgment of sonship. I am a son of God. I am not a slave. I am not a servant in the house. I am not a beggar. I am positioned with my heavenly Father as a son. Therefore, I am an heir. So there is a confession up front. This is who I am. This is what I do. Our Father, who art where? In heaven, which says, I did not originate here. I was born physically here, but my spirit is of God. I did not come from earth. I came from heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So there was a place of worship, a place of recognition of origin, a place of honor. When a man honors his father, then his days shall be long in the earth and effective in the earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then the very next statement out of his mouth was this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earthen dimension, in the earthen realm as it already is in the heavenly dimension. So there is an agenda. There is a plan. There is a kingdom from which we originate. There is a will of God that has already been established before the foundations of the world for all of mankind, for all of the earthen realm's systems. There is a kingdom that must be administered here. 
And Jesus said to these guys, you declare, you proclaim, you engage heaven as a son, saying to him, Lord, what you have already determined for the earth in heaven, we, we will establish it here on your behalf. We see this principle right up front in Jesus' life. So I'd like to propose to you in this introduction today that these seven spheres of cultural influence, these seven mountains, in fact, sociologists have studied this phenomenon for years that if any group of people from any religious, social, political bent or agenda desires to transform a culture in a generation, it, it is these seven spheres of influence, these seven mountains that must be dealt with. In other words, you must administer and bring to these seven spheres your agenda, your systems, your government, your rule, your ideas, your philosophies, and you must establish those as the preeminent power and authority in those respective mountains. But Brian, what are the mountains? Well, here are the seven mountains. These are the seven spheres of influence that we, as believers, as sons of God, must understand it is our place to take them. Number one is church and religion. Church and religion. Number two is the sphere of family. The very first institution God ever created in the earth was that of family. Number three, education. Number four, media and communication. Number five, government or politics. Number six, the performing arts and entertainment and sports, all of that sphere. And number seven, maybe the most important because the man or the woman or the group that rules this mountain pretty much controls the rest of them, and that is the business or the finance mountain, the money. You've heard it said, he who has the gold makes the rules. There's a lot of truth in that. So mountain number one, church and religion. Number two, family. Number three, education. Number four, media and communication. Number five, government or politics. Number six, performing arts, entertainment, sports, etc. Number seven, business, finance, money, resources. And there's certainly subgroups under these main categories. It was about a month or so after the Lord spoke to Francis Schaeffer concerning these issues that these gentlemen sort of got together, compared their notes, and and they recognized that there was a battle taking place. And the battle was for the cultures to be developed in nations. The battle was whose ideas, whose truth, whose philosophies, whose beliefs are going to rise to the top and become the preeminent belief systems of that era, of that culture, of that nation. How are we going to shape the minds of children in the school system? How are we going to shape the minds of adults and leaders through media, through communication? How are we going to even shape their minds through arts and entertainment? How can we raise billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, and throw that money at our agendas? How can we redefine what family is? You see how this works? If you look around us today, especially in the Western world, every one of these areas are being redefined, reconstituted. There are 
There are agendas that have been at work for many, many decades now, and we are coming to this cusp, this precipice, this threshold moment where we're going to have a tipping point from which we can never return because everybody but the church has been busy shaping the cultures. And I really believe it's time for that to change. I believe that God's church was never intended to be weak, to be powerless. Certainly never believe, uh, I don't believe that it was ever intended to be a subservient subculture of people that were looked down on or not paid attention to. I do not believe that it was God's intention for his sons and daughters to bow and worship a world system that is hell-bent on shaping us into its image, its likeness, forcing us, telling us what to believe, how to live our lives, who to accept, who not to accept. That is not God's intention. In fact, I believe that God always intended for us to rule, to govern, to manage. I believe God intended for us to order our world based on our individual and corporate destinies in Him. In the Old Testament, God on numerous occasions required his people to destroy all idols, all images that were made by man, and to dismantle any systems that had been erected in the place of his plan, his agenda, his will in the earth. I'll tell you unabashedly, I believe the church has been guilty of allowing ourselves to be conformed. Yet we were instructed, demanded, commanded rather, not to be conformed into anybody's image or system. So what are you saying, Brian? You're on a roll today. Yes, I am, because I believe that you and I are created by God. We talk about it on this program every single week. You and I are created with a purpose for a purpose. There is a destiny. There is a calling. There is a specific assignment for which you were created. And that assignment is not sitting on a church pew. That assignment is being actively engaged in one of these seven spheres of influence. One of these mountains is your mountain to take. Now, for years, those of us who are Christians, we've been taught, come out from among them and be separate. And that is a verse of Scripture. However, it's been taken out of context. Because Jesus said, Go ye therefore into all the earth, And everywhere you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven has just showed up. That means when you show up, the kingdom shows up. So I don't believe the scripture contradicts itself. So are we supposed to come out or are we supposed to go in? I think the coming out is metaphoric. It is to say, do not be conformed. Don't look like them, sound like them, talk like them, think like them. Don't allow your mind to be shaped into that mold. Be separate. But I want you to go into those places of assignment, and I want you to administer my will, my plan, my word, my agenda. Bring my kingdom to the earth in church and religion, in family, in education, in media communication, in the government, in the arts, in entertainment, in business and finance. Let God's kingdom rule in these mountains. I want to propose to you that taking these mountains, challenging these systems, is going to require a total change of thinking, a fundamental shift in the philosophy of how we approach 
our faith and our activity and our assignments. Reclaiming our rightful place on top of these mountains, literally going up to these high places and planting our flag and beginning to actually speak with authority that this is how this culture is going to go. It's going to require us to believe different, think different, to live different, and certainly it's going to require us to act different because we've been hiding. Ladies and gentlemen, Christians have been hiding. We have worshipped at the altar of being politically correct long enough. Now it's our time to determine who I am, what has God called me to do, what is my purpose, what is my assignment, and most importantly in all of those, now that I know what those are, what specific place am I to administer God's plan in my life? Am I supposed to be all up in the middle of Broadway or Hollywood? We've told our kids for years, don't be a part of that. And therefore, we have no stake in that mountain. We've told our kids and our, our families and our offspring for, for decades now that when you become a Christian, you just have faith that you're going to have enough food on the table. Don't worry about wealth. Don't worry about, don't worry about starting a business of your own. Don't worry about amassing uh, influence because of the finances that God has blessed you with. Don't worry. That's not what Christians do. Christians are supposed to be poor. And therefore, we have no influence because we have no resources. When it comes to the government, those that are of faith, faith-minded Christian people with morals, conscience, those that believe that the Word of God is true and that the principles and the laws and the commandments that are contained in that Word are God's Word. Those that attempt to move into government settings are quickly ostracized and squeezed out if not conformed into the system, and they become the very thing they went there to change. Our families, our families, the family is literally being redefined by a small group of people, and we are being legislated into a definition that is not biblical. Why? We can complain about it, we can fuss about it, we can whine about it, but I will say to you it's because we abdicated our responsibility, we abandoned our post, we decided a number of years ago that we were going to come over to the church mountain, the religious mountain, and simply have ourselves a club versus using the context of the local church and the church structure to equip, to empower, to embolden, and to send people from the church into these other places of influence so that God's agenda could be accomplished in the earth. This change I'm talking about is going to require a new kind of faith. If you ask me, and I'm a church kid all my life, I believe that the church itself is going to have to be redefined and a new model of ministry and equipping and discipleship will have to emerge in order for us to begin to take back this ground. It's going to require a new kind of believer, new spiritual leaders, new teachers. I believe it's going to require renewed family leadership and values. I, 
I pray and I believe there's a revival of family values coming to this nation and to the nations of the world. I believe that this kind of a movement is going to require anointed and principled teachers and educators and professors. You think about the universities today. Most of the professors there are subscribed to a demonic, sodomic system that is hell-bent on shaping the minds of our children so that in the next generation, they will have them right where they want them. We need godly, kingdom-minded educators, professors, trainers, coaches to be raised up so that they can impart knowledge and wisdom and understanding to a generation that is literally lost. And as it relates to applying the kingdom of God, completely impotent. I will go so far as to say that we need spirit-filled, spirit-led leaders to be raised up as community officials, state legislators, governors, congresspersons, senators, even presidents, men and women who don't just pray an ecumenical prayer for the sake of, of appealing to their Christian voters, but men and women that know how to seek the face of God for wisdom, for understanding, for his will, for his plan, that would legislate by principle not by popularity. I really believe we need young men, young women to invade Hollywood, to invade Broadway, to invade the television industry and the media industry, the internet space. I believe we need men and women of character, great character, great values to be playing on NFL teams, NBA teams, NHL teams, Major League Baseball to represent the kingdom of God at a place where influence, these men and women have great influence and they're not using their platform for the kingdom. They're using their platform for all kinds of other things. Boy, do we ever need great singers, great songwriters, great playwrights to step up in that industry and begin to propagate a message that builds people up, that gives people hope that absolutely changes the mindset and the heart of young people who are craving to be entertained, but they're really craving to be led. We certainly need news networks that will speak the truth, journalists and writers who will not serve an agenda, but they will simply report and they will ask legitimate questions and they will be seekers of truth and seekers of wisdom. And one of my most favorite areas is the area of business and finance. I cast no stones. I don't know some of these great business leaders personally. I've met some, but I've not met Donald Trump. I've met, not met Robert Kiyosaki. I've not met Warren Buffett. These guys are, I'm sure, great guys, great men of character. They've obviously been very successful in what they've done. But, man, wouldn't it be wonderful if from the the womb of God's church in the earth, that inventors and leaders and business entrepreneurs would be raised up and launch tremendous ideas and inventions and businesses that would literally drive the economy on the basis of principle and fundamental morals. I want you to hear something that I think will be a blessing to you. Listen to this right now. It was August 1975, and the Lord had given me that day a list of things that 
I had never thought about before. He said, this is the way to reach America and nations for God. In every city of the world, an unseen battle rages for dominion over God's creation and the souls of people. This battle is fought on seven strategic fronts, looming like mountains over the culture to shape and influence its destiny. Over the years, the church slowly retreated from its place of influence on these mountains, leaving a void now filled with darkness. When we lose our influence, we lose the culture, and when we lose the culture, we fail to advance the kingdom of God. And now, a generation stands in desperate need. It's time to fight for them and take back these mountains of influence. The mountain of government, where evil is either restrained or endorsed. The mountain of education, where truths or lies about God and his creation are taught. The mountain of media, where information is interpreted through the lens of good or evil. The mountain of arts and entertainment, where values and virtue are celebrated or distorted. The mountain of religion, where people worship God in spirit and truth or settle for a religious ritual. The mountain of family, where either the blessing or a curse is passed on to successive generations. And the one mountain they all depend on, the mountain that fuels and funds all the other mountains, the mountain of business, where people build for the glory of God or the glory of man, where resources are consecrated for the kingdom of God or captured for the powers of darkness. Those who lead this mountain control what influences our culture. The last 50 years, we've seen the most rapid moral decline in history. The culture we inherited from our forefathers is disintegrating before our eyes. What kind of world are we leaving for our children and grandchildren? As long as the business mountain is held by enemies of the gospel, funding for the other mountains will always be constrained, and any efforts to advance the kingdom of God will be hindered. Imagine God's people reclaiming their cities and government, in the arts and entertainment, in the media, in education, in the family, in religious influence, but only limited by their imagination and not by a lack of finances. It's possible, but first, we must take back the mountain of business. God's move to take this mountain back has already begun. Thousands and thousands of business leaders in every major city across the nation are filling arenas to learn from business leaders and hear the gospel of Christ. 90% of people working in the marketplace believe in God. 78% believe spirituality and business mix. 70% say that because of their faith, they find meaning and purpose in life. There are over 56 million Bible-believing Christians working in the marketplace. A vast army of God waiting to be truly engaged in the battle. Yet this strategic army and battlefront has largely been left ignored by the church. More than 90% of church members do not feel they are being equipped or trained by the church to apply biblical faith in their day-to-day -day life. The Business Mountain is so strategic because that is the place of influence. When you look at culture, so much of culture is defined by what happens in business. If we would use the wealth of the world to bless the world, and bless it not only to distribute to the needy that which they need. When you bring economy and economic benefit to a nation or a culture, 
then you have influence in that culture. People, as they're transformed, who will transform all the spheres of society. It is time to reclaim the seven mountains and bring the life of God back into our culture. That's a YouTube video that I'm going to be posting in the show notes of this episode, and I'd love for you to go watch that as it has some great graphics and other narrative that goes with that. Here's why I wanted to share this with you today. We talk often on this program about you finding that one thing that God has created you to do. And you see, that one thing is not just a hobby or just a job or just a career path. That one thing has everything to do with you being a son or a daughter of God in the earth with an assignment in one of these mountains. Some of you are called to be educators, teachers in a classroom. I have a very dear friend of mine who has taught for over 25 years in the public school system in the type of school that they send all of the really bad kids to. And she, a single mom, raised two sons by herself that turned out one an attorney And one is in the Navy doing an amazing job with their lives and what God's given them to do. But this lady is still in the classroom because she believes that is her mountain, education. She's there to touch those kids, speak life into them, to challenge the status quo, to call out of them the greatness that really is in them. Many of you are called to educate and to touch people in elementary school, junior high, high school, even university even in trade schools. Some of you are absolutely called to serve in the area of government. And you say, man, I hate politics. Well, that's the point. Let's circumvent and transcend politics, and let's bring the kingdom of God into the courthouse. Bring the kingdom of God into the city council meeting. Bring the kingdom of God into the state house. Bring the kingdom of God into the White House. But someone will have to answer the call and say, yes, I will say yes to my calling, yes to my assignment. I will thrive. I will engage. I will become the man or the woman God's called me to be so that my place of assignment can be fulfilled and I can administer the kingdom in that place. Some of you are called to the media, to communication, to be journalists, to be writers, to be news reporters, people who will actually speak truth where truth needs to be spoken. Some of you are called to the arts and entertainment and sports industries. And some of you are created by God to serve in family ministry, in church. And then some of you, many of you, I believe, have ideas have dreams. You have the ability to create wealth. All of us do, according to Scripture. And you have a business acumen that will literally change the world and bring finances into the hands of righteous men and women who can actually administer hope and healing and feeding and 
taking care of the widows and the orphans and those around the world who are less fortunate. That's the purpose of big money. And if you don't have it, you can't do it. And some of you literally have the Midas touch. You have the ability to create resources. And there is a place of influence for you that God has designed and reserved. You see, all of us have a calling. All of us have an assignment. Every one of us have been redeemed by God so that we can represent him in the earth. This is our time. This is our season. This is our mission. And as Jesus instructed his disciples when they were looking for the key, he said, say this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Which mountain will you take? Which sphere of influence do you know God has called you to charge? What place of assignment are you ready right now to engage and run to, knowing you carry the DNA of the king himself? I challenge you today. Take your mountain. Well, we'd encourage you to go to the show notes of this episode at brianholmes.com forward slash zero four zero. Scroll down to the comment section at the bottom and let us hear from you. Your questions, your comments, your encouragements, your stories, your testimonies. How is it that you are engaging in your assignment? What mountain do you know God has called you to? I'd love to hear from you. I also want to ask you to subscribe to our updates at brianholmes.com. That is our weekly email updates, any major events we have going on, our blog post, our podcast, our Monday Mastery videos. Every week we send out one email just to let you know what all has been posted, what all has been made available, and we would love for you to subscribe there and also share that with your friends. If you find value in this podcast, I want to ask your help. If you will rate us in iTunes or in Stitcher, if you listen to us there, or some other RSS feed, wherever it is that you consume this content from, rate us there, leave a comment uh, for us, a review, that actually drives up our visibility in these respective suppliers of podcast content, and it helps us to be seen by more people. We want to get this message out to as many people as we can, and I would love If you would help us do that by rating us in iTunes and also leaving a review for us, that would help us greatly. I also want to ask this favor of you. Share this content with your friends. Click a Facebook share. Retweet it out. You use Google Plus or whatever it is, LinkedIn. Help us to get the word out about the Strategic Living Podcast and everything that's taking place at brianholmes.com. I trust that something that we have shared with you here today has challenged you, shaken you. I believe that this word today can actually move you from complacency to engagement, and that's my prayer for you. I want so much to see you fully activated and and fully engaged in what God's given you to do in the earth. Until next time, know this. We love you, we care about you, and we believe strongly that you will change the world 
if you will simply engage in what God's given you to do. Well, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you here with us on the Strategic Living Podcast. Again, just encourage you to go to brianholmes.com forward slash 040. We'll have all the show notes there. We will have the YouTube video concerning the Seven Mountains there. Probably have several other links related to the Seven Mountains for you to dive deeper into this subject. Everybody, we love you. We care about you. We believe in you. Until next time, God bless. Bless.